Hello, I'm Andrew Suskind, and I'm a psychotherapist and author based in West Los Angeles since 1992, specializing in trauma and addictions. Welcome to our podcast, which I call It's Not About the Sex, also the title of my recent book. Here we focus on all topics related to compulsive sexual behavior, often referred to as sex addiction. In particular, we explore ways to build long-term sustainable recovery while establishing more meaningful connection and greater intimacy. Our intention is to offer fresh viewpoints, brand new perspectives, and practical user-friendly tools toward living a more deeply connected life. Let's get started. Daisy Swan has been a career and executive coach for almost 30 years. Daisy has worked with thousands of clients working in every kind of function and of all ages. She works with clients in one-on-one coaching sessions, offering valuable ways to gain clarity to find new and fulfilling ways of living and working. Based in LA for decades, and now in Santa Barbara, she works with clients via Zoom who are located all around the globe. Daisy, a meditator for roughly 40 years, is also a certified mindfulness instructor through UCLA's Mindful Awareness Research Center. She is also a somatic coach and helps clients connect with their body to access helpful information. And on a more personal note, I've known Daisy for many years, and Daisy is the most responsive, conscientious, and professional career coach I've ever known. And I've sent many, many clients to her without reservation. And I'm so pleased to have Daisy with us today. Thank you, Andrew. That's really, really kind of you. Oh, you're so welcome, Daisy. It's it's such a pleasure having you here. And it's such a joy to have a chance to be with such a trusted colleague to talk about such an important topic, which isn't always talked about in the, the vein of addiction recovery. So I'm just so glad we get to talk today together. And for our listeners who who may not have a a familiarity with career coaching, I'm wondering if you can share just a little bit about what exactly is career coaching or career strategy? What I do, you know, a lot of people now are trained as as coaches, right? And so there are all these life coaches out there. and, um, And so I've kind of taken the life coaching um, methodology and, um, which I'll say more about and, and put that as an overlay on career counseling. Coaching in general, right, is, is helping individuals uh, or groups of people think about where they are now and where they want to be. Um, and really think about how we're, how are we going to get there? Um, so it's less of a therapeutic process, which you do a lot of, we're not going back to discover the why issues, you know, why did this happen? But we will look at how, like, how did you get here? And how do we want to move forward? So it is a very forward looking, um, and in many cases, quite pragmatic. But I fold in a lot of uh, various, I suppose you could say modalities to think about um, where someone is, what their experience is, and and what they want to change to be able to have 
uh, a more authentic experience in their work. So um, we're really looking at what their experience is in work that is not working, that they want more of what could be working. And, um, and together we examine, you know, who they are and what's really important to them and put it all together and go forward. I, I love what you said about what I would call the hybrid between life coaching and career coaching or career mm-hmm. counseling. And when, when I've worked with a coach in the past, what was so important to me was to feel that somebody was in my corner and yeah. that I wasn't alone and that I really had somebody to partner with and to have a chance to look at at the possibilities that I might consider. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how how that works for you and your clients. Yeah, it's interesting. I had a client one time, she said, it's so great to work with you because I feel like I don't have to be worried about my career all by myself. <laughs> like like you're holding on to it. If if I don't want to think about it, when we get back together, we'll work on it together, you know? Mm. Um, and I I think that it's very um it's very much a relief for people when they know they have a, a professional third party person mm-hmm. um it, it involved in you know something that it seems like everybody should just know how to manage their career somehow um but you know and so family members you know may get involved like you know make suggestions oh you should do this or that you know your loved ones um your spouse or whoever might say you know oh why don't you do this you know and it can all get so confusing so Mm -hmm. and 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 work is very complex now you know i mean it didn't it didn't used to be this way really truly before the you know the 80s i would say people kind of went on a track and kind of did what they did and you know the 30-year career with one company kind of model was what people knew of as a career and that's just Mm -hmm. not the way it is anymore Mm -hmm. so i think it's um so many people it's it's really a very important um you know what i do i think is very important for a lot of people to to figure out how to move through all the complexities that they face sure and and what i run into with many of my clients and the reason i send them in your direction is because they're just so immobilized with fear that Mm -hmm. that it's such a lonely process and and that it feels very ominous and what I appreciate about what you bring to the work is that you have a lightness of being and you have a a way of, of really being there with your presence that that makes a huge difference. Um, it's not just about moving from point A to point B, which is important, but it's mm-hmm. also really being there in a way that can help somebody believe in themselves maybe more than that than they could by them by themselves. And, you know, that that has been a beauty, um, you know, something that I just have been so impressed with through the years. And and, and to go backwards for a moment, Daisy, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm wondering what got you started in this kind of work? I mean, this is really um, there's a, something about the heart space 
in the mm-hmm. landscape that you bring and I'm wondering if you can share about that. Yeah, as with all important work, right? Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a real connection there. Um, yeah, I was a, a really a lost 20-something. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very uh, much on my own to figure things out. My parents were pretty consumed with their own work, um, divorce and lives, and um, I, I was just pretty lost. And um, and I hadn't finished my BA as I was supposed to because of all of the family stuff. And um, when I and I I always like to do more creative kinds of things. I worked for a magazine. I was a graphic designer. I worked in food. <laughs> and um, finally, I, I met with a career counselor. And I was 28, and she helped me really do <laughs> what I do now. Um, she helped me look at what I've always wanted to do, and it, you know, it just cleared the space for me in a non-judgmental place mm. to really think about, you know, who who I was and and um, what I really aspired to. And she helped me figure out how to go back to school. And um, anyway, long story short, I ended up going to graduate school after I completed my BA. I was thirty. Mm-hmm. And feeling way behind um, everybody else. And, and can I tell you how many times people tell me they feel so behind? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, my first job out of graduate school was the um, assistant director of the career center at the uh, University of Chicago, where I, mm-hmm. I got my master's. And it was just a great fit. I didn't even know that was a real career path, nor did I really want a career but I got to help people think about who they were and what they wanted to do with their lives. And um, I got to use all of my experience of being lost mm-hmm. and all of these books I'd been reading because it was a passion. I was really, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> so a lot has happened. But I've been the director of the career set, a couple of career centers, and mm-hmm. associate director of career centers. And, and I went mm-hmm. off on my own in uh, 1999. I started on, on my own. Mm-hmm. So your work is is truly from a place of having been there, yeah. which makes a huge difference. And I'm wondering, when it comes to the kind of clients you work with, I know you work with a wide variety, but if you can share a little bit about the type of clients that you enjoy working with the most. Yeah, um, well, I, I do have such a wide variety. You know, I've, I've kind of, as I'm sure you do, as I know you do, you know, you fall in love with each of your clients, um, and um, they're all of my folks are are curious. Um, they've they've experienced something somewhere, so they know that where they are right now can't be the last stop. <laughs> you know that something's not working, and I always tell people, you know, when when we enter change, right, something has gotten to a place where it's an ending. Something's not working anymore. So there's got to be a new start. And so um, so it, it, my clients, we really um, look at who they are. And, and therefore, these are people who are willing um, to be open um, to themselves and, and with me so that we can, um, you know, look under the hood for what's important. And um, 
And then we start following the breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. It's pretty creative. Of course. So, so the creativity, um, I imagine, is, is really based on the wisdom of working in this field for many years, but, but also collaboratively working with your clients and, and discovering what their true passions and priorities are and, and you know, leveraging their strengths in, in, in that way. Is that an accurate yeah. way of putting it? Yeah, that was great. <laughs> well done. Yeah, for sure. Well, along those lines, I, I you know that this podcast focuses on folks in recovery from sexual compulsivity. Mm-hmm. And not just folks who are newly sober per se, but but sometimes people who listen to the podcast have have been um away from their addictive compulsive behaviors for for months if not years mm-hmm. but many times clients are still feeling stuck right mm-hmm. they, they mm-hmm. may be um able to to refrain from those old behaviors but they they haven't really been able to move forward or or take a closer look at what 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 was their heart's desire what do they really really want and so I'm wondering from your perspective, how, how is career coaching with clients in recovery from addictions any different than with other clients you work with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not really different. Um, the, the situations that present themselves sometimes, um, you know, people are blocked for very particular reasons because of some sort of um, let's say, distracting behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, if I can, I'll, I'll give a an example of working with somebody, and this is, you know, very fictionalized, so I'm mm-hmm. protecting um, this person I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I did, I you know, this earlier... Well, no, it was like at the beginning of, uh, in the fall, mm-hmm. I was working with a client who, um, because of some behaviors that he really wished he hadn't engaged in, um, a very, very successful guy mm-hmm. um, found himself um, called to the carpet in his organization and mm-hmm. um, asked him to resign because of some behavior that was not appropriate and mm. um it was devastating i mean he mm. was devastated and and he also realized that this was probably coming for a long time and he recognized it as probably coming for a long time because he was bored right and um and that got him in trouble and yeah. uh and he's, you know, he had the wisdom to recognize. I mean, he was in a recovery program, and and he mm-hmm. had the wisdom to recognize that this was probably such a blessing for him mm. because now he could really look for what he wanted, genuinely what he mm. wanted, because he had been in his career path for um, close to twenty five years, and you know, it, it, and. You know, I also, of course, have clients who don't have that scenario at all. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but it, but in this case, um, you know, and I was so proud of him for the work he was doing to really look at his situation and get the support he needed. 
and and at one point he you know finally he had to overcome a lot of fears mm-hmm. about how to talk about what had happened Mm-hmm. Um, how to share where he was and with, you know, honestly, he didn't need to, he didn't need to do a whole confessional to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but we worked on how he was going to, um, interview, how he was going to talk with, you know, his network about what he was looking for sure. and what had happened. And, you know, it was really beautiful. And also how he could communicate with his spouse about mm-hmm. what he wanted um, because she was um, really out of sorts with the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, we, ha- we had a lot of conversations about the scenario, um, which was tricky, you know, for uh, in a professional setting to be able to come up with the communication strategy. And we did it really well. And um, he ended up landing in a position that was perfect. Mm-hmm. And um, it, and I have to tell you, as we all get tested, so to speak, mm-hmm. by our surroundings, mm-hmm. he was invited into a very similar job that would mm-hmm. have had him back in that boring kind of work, mm-hmm. but it would have given him a lot of the financial resources that he had been used to. Right. And, um, you know, together, I mean, we talked through these things a lot and he, he ended up making a choice to go in another direction. It felt a little riskier, but it was genuinely in the direction that he wanted. Mm. So that was a really beautiful um, thing to see. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's very similar to the experience that other people who are not going through recovery would experience, but, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. but the particular issues that we needed to work through were, particular to a recovery issue. Sure, sure. And I also hear with that particular example that he was able to find something that was a better fit and more in alignment with with what he really wanted and what mattered mm-hmm. to him. And yeah. and I and I imagine that um in a way it was like you said, it became this crossroads for him where he had no choice but to kind of recreate himself mm-hmm. and and um and by you walking that walk with him um it gave him more uh ability to really take a larger look at what really counted and and what fit for his recovery as well i assume yeah very much so and you know this is the the place where you know as you were saying having somebody um to walk with you or having that partner. And that's what I right. tell people is I really partner with them as they go through this process. You know, in this yeah. case, his wife who loves him and supports him and all that, she had her own fears and she kind of wanted mm. him to go back. She wanted mm. everything to go back to the way it was. Interesting. And he knew that that was not good for him. And I knew that wasn't good for him. Mm-hmm. And so I got to play the role for him of holding up the mirror of, you know, who are you really now, knowing what you know? Mm-hmm. And um, and that helped him to really help his wife hear mm-hmm. who he was now. And mm-hmm. so that's why I feel like we really did it together, because he mm-hmm. he needed that um, reminder. And, sure. and, and, and that, you know, 
that support to be able to be who he really wanted to be and help her to understand what that was about. Yeah, no, I love that. So even though you're working one-on-one with this gentleman, it's also affecting the spouse. Yeah. And and maybe the family beyond that, we don't know, but, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. yeah. And, and, yeah. and I think that's a great illustration that even though you're just working one-on-one with somebody, it really affects everybody around them as well. Yes, it's, uh, yeah, and, you know, whether you're a young person, you know, I've worked with um, people who have been um, early in their career, mid-career, late career, uh-huh. um, going through recovery issues, and mm-hmm. yes, it's a bigger, it's a bigger web, right, that we all exist in. Yeah, right. it's really systemic, even, yes. even if you're not with everybody in the same room. Yeah, for sure. And the family members play, you know, oftentimes unwittingly or, you know, not meaning to, <laughs> but they, right. they do play a pretty big role yeah. in, in the recovery process, right? Sure, sure. Sometimes um, being a wonderful support and sometimes getting in the way. So yeah. uh, how do you hopefully invite everybody into the process one way or the other? Right. I mean, one of the and things that was, have boundaries, though, right? Absolutely, yes, yeah. yes, that's a big part of it, and reestablishing those boundaries because before recovery it looked one way, and then after recovery it looks a very different way. Right. Um, but I also wanted to add that I think with folks, especially in earlier recovery, maybe in the first year or two, mm-hmm. it it really is a wonderful thing to have a team around them so that. Not only do they have a, a therapist, you know, looking at the themes and patterns of the past, not only do they have possibly a sponsor if they're in a 12-step program helping them work the steps, but to have a coach helping them look at the future and, and mapping out what in their heart of hearts they might really like to create um, in their, their renewal, um, if we can call it that. And then, of course, if they have a, a relationship where the power greater than themselves, God, higher power, universal power, whatever somebody chooses to call it, um, that always seems to me to be the most powerful combination, that, that if you can have as many people on your team as possible. And I really feel that what you bring to the table as a coach is, is so incredibly valuable. And I know my clients do better. and and. Um, even after they're finished working with you, Daisy, they'll they'll keep referring back to things that they learned with you. And, oh, that's and... so nice to hear that. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> no, absolutely. It's really quite heartwarming. But mm-hmm. I think it speaks to us working together. Um, yeah. And and I love the collaborative effort. So um, just wanted to mention that piece oh, as well. Great. Yeah, you gave me goosebumps. Thank you. Oh, we have mutual goosebumps. Right? Uh, we we do that to each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is kind of a, a broad question, but just to shift gears a little bit, when you're mm-hmm. helping somebody look for a job or 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 make a career transition, what what are some tips or suggestions you you would have for people in that position? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well the I think it, it is a big answer, but I'll try and keep it short. Um, you know, one is to um, 
accept where you are first, mm-hmm. you know, really to, to spend some time, um, looking at who you are and what's important to you now. And, you know, so really looking at what's worked for you and what hasn't worked for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, starting to, in my mind's eye, I'm imagining, you know, making a list of, you know, this is, or maybe it's a narrative, you know, this really didn't work for me. Um, you know, this has worked for me and really circling those words that really appear to you, you know, so that you can start to get a new idea of who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, um, as opposed to sitting down, a lot of people will just sit down and they'll go on a job search or a, a job listing like uh, Indeed or LinkedIn and they'll start looking at jobs, mm-hmm. which can just totally drain you of mm-hmm. every bit of energy <laughs> and you don't want to do that. Um, so, you know, it's more about doing some brainstorming about what could be good for you you know, know what you need. It's interesting. A lot of times people don't know how much money they really need. Um, and so really understanding that for yourself, um, you know, do you need a full-time job? Can you do a part-time job? You know, and even if people go online and get creative and just, you know, into Google, you put together, you know, a bunch of the words that are showing up for you. Plug them into Google and see what kind of job shows up. I mean, mm. it can even be as loose as that, but um, kind of creating a, an ideal job description for yourself can be a great way to start so that you can feel a little more inspired about mm. the process. Um, but I would say also that, that sometimes, um, you know, like if you are just getting your footing again mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know maybe you've come out of a time of chaos and it's time to just get some income and it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be the be and and be all job you know like that's where yeah how much money do i need to bring in what's a good starting point you know what's gonna give me the flexibility let's say maybe to go to meetings or you know so again it's knowing those criteria and then, um, you know, if it does need to be a part-time job and maybe it could be a shift kind of job. I mean, here we are in this really wacky new world, mm-hmm. you know, which is just so much upheaval for everybody. So, but there are lots of remote jobs now mm-hmm. that are part-time, mm-hmm. full-time. You know, there's so many, it, it's, it's such a fascinating time right now. And again, there's still a lot of creative ways to find employment. Um, mm-hmm. There are jobs out there that can work for everybody. So those are just a couple of um, ideas for people to get started with. Yeah, um, I, I love what you said about starting with asking oneself, what do I really want? Mm-hmm. Um, the soul searching piece sounds so significant because I, I think you're right. Sometimes people just bypass that whole process and, yeah. and start and start throwing darts at a dartboard with the hope that something will will fit. And and I hear the part of your process and part of how you work with people is really helping them slow down and mm-hmm. check in with what what is it that they really want, not just 
um, financially, which of course is important, but, but deep down, what would be a good fit? What would be fun? What would be interesting? And, and what would pay the bills for now? Right. Yep. Excellent. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, well, I was going to say, you know, I think when I used to hear people every now and then somebody will say, I guess they'll say, well, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to treat job searching like a job. And that to me sounds like death. Um, you know, it's this kind of idea that you should be putting your eight hours in on your job search Monday through Friday, you know, <laughs> and, and that, that just, to me, sounds so soul fucking. And <laughs> I just yeah. wouldn't yeah. wish that on anybody. Mm -hmm. um, in, in fact, I think job searching can be one of the most depleting things that mm -hmm. people can do because mm -hmm. it's such a vulnerable uh, place to be in. I mean, I've written about this. Uh, I write a lot of blogs and, you know, I think that the process of writing a resume period, mm -hmm. um, raises for everybody, raises mm -hmm. so many, um, very base, uh, vulnerabilities for us because we're immediately thinking, how do I stack up against somebody else? Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, we, you know, that compare and despair thing is like, oh, I'm going to write this resume and, you know, all these other people are going to be better than me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, it's like where we immediately go. So yeah. the whole job search process needs, you know, we need to um, uh, give so much compassion to ourselves and right. um, and really treat ourselves super kindly. And if that means you go out for a walk or, you, you know, you um, take a good break and do something else that's creative or restorative in the process. And that, that's super important to the whole process. Well, that's the perfect segue to my next question, actually, because separate from your work as a career and executive coach, you're also a longtime meditation practitioner and meditation instructor, as mm -hmm. well as a somatic coach. I know you've done advanced training in somatic coaching. So, mm -hmm. so how does all of that fit in with the work you do as a career coach? Well, I think, um, you know, baseline for me, that's just where I come from, right? As a sense of, you know, being present with yourself. And so that's the language and the mindset <clears throat> that I'm working with when I'm talking to clients. Um, that I want them to be able to, um, become more present for self. Mm. Um, and, you know, maybe I'm sort of adding the spinach to the, uh, the birthday cake or something, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not telling anybody I'm doing this, but, uh, -huh. uh <laughs> but, you know, just helping uh, my clients to realize that their body has a lot of wisdom. Yeah. That will inform them, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and that if they can listen to themselves and access uh, the quieter parts of themselves, they'll, mm. they'll be able to hear more. Mm. Um, so it's not like I'm actually a meditation instructor 
or somatic coach with my clients, but right. we are, you know, sometimes I'll give people exercises to do that will mm-hmm. help them to listen. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause I, I just can't help that. That's just the air I breathe and, <laughs> you know, the way I look at the world. Right. Which the average coach doesn't have the depth of wisdom and experience that you do. And you really infuse a lot of ingredients, spinach sometimes, that that people don't always get elsewhere. So I just want to kind of give the plug that you really have a very dimensional and holistic approach and and um, and absolutely brings more tools, more strategies than um, than some other folks out there. So um, for that, I'm, I'm grateful. Thank you. I I appreciate that. And yeah, I mean, I always think, well, if I if I could go to a coach, <laughs> if I could go to a career coach, who would I want to go to? And I think, well, I would want to find me. Um, <laughs> because, <laughs> <I love that. laughs> because I um I guess I I'm a very spiritual person. And I've always, I've always asked myself, what does that mean? I don't really know what, what being spiritual means sometimes. Um, but when you mention, you know, that higher power part of recovery, which is so important, you know, I think that's one of the, you know, for all of the challenges and I've been through lots of challenges and maybe that's, you know, what, um, I have to be very grateful for all of those challenges because they help me to do what I do. Um, but I, I do think that having that mm, sense of connection, you know, mm-hmm. that we're mm-hmm. that there is something bigger than us, right? You know, it's so um, to me that's what I find helps me to trust that I, as well as my clients. We get where we're where we're going. We we get to the right place, mm-hmm. you know. Even if it doesn't feel like the right place, it's taking us down the steps that we need, you know. Right. And, and what I would add to that is, I I really hear that you're saying that part of the spiritual journey in coaching and maybe in your approach is that there's more questions <laughs> than there are answers. You know, there's more Mm -hmm. questions and part of the process is to ask the big ticket items, ask as many questions as possible, really dig into all of the possibilities and and what that means in terms of how to move forward with a a meaningful, fulfilling career or job, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many wonderful things to do in life. You know, for our vocation, uh, for our passions, there's so many things to do that we're not aware of. You know, it's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's not just, you know, uh, teacher, banker, you right. know, computers. I mean, there's so many nuanced ways that we can use our gifts. And um, um, I just, you know, I, I just always want to encourage people to know that, you know, they don't it may not be a straight line like we kind of expect it to be and things can get super messy sometimes like beyond you know here we are this couldn't be messier practically 
um, where we are right now. But, you know, sometimes things are super chaotic and, and still out of that, you know, come, can come so many fascinating discoveries and worthwhile and meaningful discoveries. Sure. So this brings us to my final question for you. Do do you have any particular inspiring or encouraging words for our listeners before we end our call? And lastly, please let us know how our listeners can reach you and and contact you. Hmm. Well, um, yeah, I'm I'm certainly reachable um, at my my website is uh, daisyspawn.com. And I have two nouns for a name, so that's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, and I'm I'm on Instagram a fair amount, <laughs> at, at Daisy Swan Coat. But um, I um, I guess you know I do always want people to know that their gifts, you know, uh, their gifts are unique to them and that there's something you know amazing that we each have um to put to work and you know i mean it's the old stuff of love and work right those are the the two most important things um for us right and um i mean it seems like there's so much more but when it really comes down to it i think being able to contribute in our own unique way is just so meaningful and um, mm-hmm. uh, so um, authentic to who we are when we find that right recipe for us, you know, to, to put a, ourselves into action. Um, you know, I, I think of work, I, I know somebody else said this, but, you know, that that authentic work is like love in action. And I do really feel mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the way my work feels for me, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's the way you feel as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, even like my son who does he's a software engineer, I think it's that for him too, you know, um when you're so engaged in something and, and it's not always like that mm-hmm. um it's not always like that and and people do get lost in this idea of. Oh, you know, I'm not passionate. I, you know, people use that word passion mm-hmm. so much. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a misnomer sometimes because we're not always passionate. Um, and sometimes, you know, you, you still fall in love with your work, even if you're not passionate about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would just say, you know, just, um, know that there, if you haven't found it yet, you can. Absolutely, you can. And it really is about listening and looking and being curious. I think curiosity is mm. the antidote to, you know, anxiety. It's the antidote to fear of so many things, you know, just continuing to be willing to look. Cause sure. It's our thing is out there. We're in here, (laughs) either way. (laughs) Right, right. That's for sure. Well, as always, it has been a treat to spend some time with you today, Daisy. And 
um, our listeners know how to reach you now and your Instagram page is, is beautiful. And I think yeah. your, your, um, website is very informative and talks about your online, um, opportunities and classes and workshops yeah. and whatnot. And, and so I really encourage everybody to take a look and, um, we will cross paths again soon. I'm sure. I hope so. I look forward to it, Andrew. You're such a gem. <laughs> Thank so. you, Daisy. You are as well. <laughs> and uh, be well, be safe, and we'll, yeah. we'll be in touch soon. Thank you for listening today. It was so terrific sharing the time with my very talented colleague and friend, Daisy Swan, and discussing this really significant and often underutilized topic of career coaching that can really be helpful to anybody in recovery from out-of-control sexual behavior. Please be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or please share our podcast on Spotify. And if there are any other topics you'd like us to discuss in the future, just let us know. I look forward to you joining us on future podcasts and thanks again for being with us today.